Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, October 21st, 2022. Today on the Ether, a Chepe Space, Do Quan Saga, a discussion on the Fat Man Terra, Laura Shin interview. Let's take a listen. Hopefully, everyone had a chance to watch the uh, <laughs> Laura Shin Fat Man interview. Uh, gonna hop up and we're going to like hash that out a little bit. Kind of waiting for Bruce to hop in here too. If anyone wants to hop up and chat while we wait for folks, feel free. If you got questions, comments, theories, whatever the hell, it's fine. Hey, Ahmed, how are you? Good morning. Good, brother. What are you up to? Uh, at work like normal, you know, in the mornings. I'm, you know, yeah, yeah. Work. I just kind of. Hopped on before running to do any work today. <laughs> yeah, I seen you were talking about. I was like, "Yo, what's up?" <laughs> yeah, the. Uh, so, did you cap? Did you happen to capture like, uh, or did you happen to watch that uh, Laura Shin uh, Do Kwan interview and then subsequently the Fat Man interview? Nah, after the whole Voyager debacle, I've been trying to recover, and you know, I'm going through divorce and stuff, so. Uh, what did I miss? Oh, you got other shit in your life to worry about. Yeah, my mom's <laughs> well, dying, all that kind of stuff. So, what's up? Oh no, it's too bad. Uh, no, uh, we uh, well, there was just like uh, renewed attention with like Do Kwan going on to uh, YouTube with Laura Shin. She's kind of a writer, kind of crypto enthusiast type person. Um, I don't believe she ha- like she doesn't demonstrate like any deep knowledge about. Uh, Tara. So I think her understanding of the timeline of things is uh, maybe unbiased, but at the same time, like completely devoid of any kind of like knowledge base about anything. So that was interesting. Um, and then uh, the Fat Man Tara thing, like his, I was just sort of like looking at how he speaks to her. And my sense is he doesn't understand how the system worked any core fundamental level either because he never actually covers any of the actual flaws of the Terra system. He just basically tries to go after Doe for whatever reason. I almost feel like he has kind of like this mental vendetta against him for whatever reason. Um, well, you know, which is understandable if you lost a lot of money or something like that. Um, I can understand why people would like mm, have a mental focus on an individual, like a scapegoat, like burn the witch kind of a thing. It's sort of like how the Voyager crowd, right? Like, what? who are they going to burn at the stake? They're going to want to take out Steve Ehrlich, right? Like, that's kind of the same story, essentially, is playing out. Uh, this is just the general problem with, like, doxxed founders. And, uh, like, if you have a supposedly decentralized system, but then you have a founder who's well-known, 
then the founder represents always like an attack vector. Um, like Do Kwan would have always been an attack vector, like no matter what, um, like he thinks or whatever we think or whatever uh, the justice system thinks or humanity. The reality is, is like if something were to have happened to Do at any point, like let's say he got, I don't know, let's say Tara was doing really, really well even today. And let's say he had, I don't know, some heart attack or something, right? Um, like it would be naive to think that wouldn't affect the price of say Luna and represent substantial risk to the price action of uh, a centralized coin. Like this happened when like Steve Jobs died as a great example. I think my Apple stock dipped like something like, I don't remember what it was, like 40 or 50%. Like my wife was like, uh, you're an idiot. You think Apple price is not going to go down um, and that uh, that Steve Jobs death is priced in, right? And I was like, uh, all right, yeah, I guess. And then like he was well known he was about to die, right? It wasn't like you didn't have time to sell. So I remember Apple stock dropping like 10% after he died. And then I sold all of it, um, you know, like with, with major type capital gains. But I was like, well, fuck it. And I remember like I was at Disney World or something. I was at like, I was in the ride for like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what, or maybe Universal Studios. I was in the ride for like Harry Potter or so, some Harry Potter ride, I think, with my family. And I went and bought um, all my Apple stock back at like, I think, 40% lower than I'd sold it for. And I remember that really, really clearly because not only did like I make a lot of money doing this, but at the same time, it was like, uh, it reminded me of like centralization risk, right? If something happens to a founder or whatever, like what could go wrong? So like when you look at um, Terra in particular and what happened to it, like mm, the crash of Terra wasn't even remotely um, like in my mind, the most obvious ways that it could have crashed. It was, there's actually at least a half dozen ways like uh, the Terra Luna UST ecosystem could have crashed. And I think anyone with like a brain could have covered any of these things and like we've talked about a lot of those things on spaces in the past and like, you know, like mention them and like there's no way to create like a perfect, like, I don't know, record that everyone's going to see of all the risks and benefits of a particular platform, right? Like, like where are you going to post that information that everyone's going to read it? Like no one reads anything, like even stocks and stuff, like how many people read all the different like shareholder minutes and all the other bullshit that comes from your companies that you own stocks in almost nobody does like the governance part nobody cares about until something bad happens right so anyway like and that could be said of actually terra users too like uh terra users by the way in a decent in the supposedly decentralized system could have put up governance proposals on the terra network to have like prevented any number of things that they thought were like preventable like for example uh like if you thought that tfl should have burned their wallet because they had like 50% of all the Luna out there, right? Like that's a serious risk factor. And I think the market would have been way, way more optimistic if the market didn't feel like TFL would eventually dump on them with, um, and Project Dawn was like uh, a thing where, I don't remember how many millions of Luna, I think it was like 3 million or something were being sold, but like they had billions of Luna, like that was just nothing, right? Like they could have sold uh, all sorts of Luna and dumped on the market had they wanted to, right? Like this is was my point I was trying to make today in tweets. Like there are so many vectors where uh, people could have like argued for the crash of Terra um, and, and centralization of like token distribution, everything else. And um, 
And what I think was the reason I'm bringing all this up is that if this was kind of a situation where like Fat Man or Laura Shin had any idea what they're talking about, they would be saying exactly what I'm saying now. Like there was there was tons of different things that could have gone wrong, none of which would have been necessarily like uh, Doe's fault directly. Right. Like he didn't pump the price on his own or whatever. Like he's not the one that, um, you know. Uh, told you to go and buy anything technically speaking and like everyone wants things to be supposedly decentralized or something like that until something bad happens and then people like fat mantera come along and they're like oh he's a criminal he should go in front of the court in front of south korea like this just uh, like obnoxious like if you believe in crypto then you should believe in decentralized culpability if you're an owner of terra guess what it's your fault that it went down i hate to break it to everybody but it's all your fault like, that's it. Like, you bought, you use your money that you bought, you got out of like your job or whatever. You bought Tarot or Luna or whatever the fuck. It goes down. It is your fault. If you want to kill yourself over it, go kill yourself. What the fuck is wrong with people? Right? Like, this idea that somehow, like, you should be like mentally unstable and go buy, you know, like crypto or whatever is just not a good idea. But like, it's not necessarily the founder's fault. It's not Steve Jobs' fault that he died. Right. Like, and therefore, like the price of Apple went down. Like, you know what? Like you think that you couldn't have had a major short position on Apple. I'm sorry, a major uh, long position on Apple. Steve Jobs gets cancer. The price of the stock falls and like you lose all your money. Yeah, sure. Like, welcome to finance. Like, this is just normal. Like, don't number one, like your mental health should not be tied to this. And like getting obsessive about founders and things like that going and attacking them in their homes and stuff like what happened to Doe. That's just what happens because human beings are crazy. Like I'm a realist in that regard. So like, like some of the questions, like, for example, why is Doe on that video? Uh, you know, why is he like uh, staying doxxed? Like, or not doxxed, but he's, do he's doxxed. But why is he like not coming out of hiding wherever he is? Why doesn't he announce what city he's in? Like, what is Fat Man Terra a moron? Like, why in the hell would you do that? Like, what kind of idiot would go and announce their location? Um, you know, that was the whole point of him having to hide because people were breaking into his house. He clarified that. So it's like one of these deals where it's like, no matter what he says, it'll, be, it'll, it'll sound like, oh, he's like diverting uh, attention away from himself, whatever. Like, in other words, if you've already decided that nothing Doe can say uh, alleviates him of any kind of like um, so-called culpability, then like you will never find a anything that he says acceptable enough because like you can't prove a negative right so for example uh if you were to say oh Sefi's trying to um i don't know like uh, he's trying to steal from uh, bank of america or something like that and i'm like wait no i'm not and you're like yes you are i say no i'm not you're like yes you are and then you're and i'm like prove it and you're like no i don't really have any proof like, like, it's just an idiotic thing. Like, you could go on like this forever. And like, what you can notice specifically on the Fat Man Terra thing is he's demanding supposedly like some sort of transparency. But I would say that like TFL, their wallet, like all the different price movements and everything else, like we're pretty transparent as they're likely to be in a decentralized system. And I think, um, I, you know, plenty of people on spaces, and whatever had plenty of opportunities to ask Doe questions. I've I had a chance to ask questions. Like he's in my, you know, he like follows me on like Twitter. I could send him a DM or something. He could he would he would probably answer whatever I asked him. 
Um, he's never been like particularly shy about that or whatever. If he wanted to like grift everybody, like TFL's Luna stash was worth billions of dollars, right? Like not like millions, billions. And then like, you know, on, on Laura Shin's show, it's like, you know, discussions about like $67 million and where did it go? And all this other bullshit is just nonsense. Like if they wanted to really like steal from everybody, they could have just simply sold their Luna. And by the way, it would have been in their rights to do so. I mentioned this on many, many spaces on like discussing Terra in the past. They have, they have a huge amount um, like of, T of Luna, or they had. Uh, actually, if you look at Guy's video, what's his name? Guy something or another. Um, he has a YouTube channel. If you watch him, he'll, you'll notice that he did a nice big video on TFL and how centralized it is and whatever. And like, you know, none of us who owned Luna or UST, like who had any serious amounts, disagreed with what he said. Like, yeah, he's sort of, is that FUD? Is it the truth? No, it's just normal fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Like that's, it's appropriate, like analysis that, yeah, TFL had a massive wallet and could have dumped on this at any time if they wanted to. Right. So the Project Dawn thing where like 3 million Luna or whatever were um, like sold to pay for operations and pay employees and, you know, pay out fat paychecks and everything. That's pretty typical of any large company that's successful. 3 million Luna was nothing, like literally nothing, like a, like a minuscule fraction of all the Luna they had. And I was actually surprised, maybe surprised that actually the amount of tokens that TFL was selling off was so small, actually. I thought it was remarkably constrained. And these arguments that like $60 million here and there were shuffled around and like, therefore this represents Terraform Labs or Doe's culpability is just nonsense. Like, like they could have moved billions here and there if they wanted to. And there's not really any strong evidence for this. So like, I don't know, the whole, the whole thing sniffs like smells of Laura Shin not knowing anything about what's going on. Fat Man Terra have no fucking clue like what's going on. Like neither of them spoke the language of business, law, science, math, crypto, like, like neither of them spoke the words that to me reflected that they had any understanding of how any of these systems work, which like, I think should be blatantly obvious to anyone who's like listening to this thing. So I don't know that that's kind of my take on the both the Lurishin and fat man thing. Um, I, I'd say like, it's not, there's no clear, like, there's nothing about either of those that you know, made me walk away saying, oh, yeah, I've got like dramatically more information here than I had before. And that like this was going to somehow like help in some way, um, you know, and, and by the way, like it's interesting that like Fat Man Terra wants all sorts of uh, things like uh, Doe to release his location, whereas Fat Man Terra doesn't do the same thing. By the way, I understand what the rationale for being anonymous is. I don't have a problem with that. But like to, if you demand it of somebody else, you should yourself be doxxed in theory, right? In theory, like why aren't, why isn't he doxxed? So the thing is, because if he lives in the United States, which it sounds like he does based on just his voice and like the, um, the, the, his grammar and everything else, like his command of English, I'm guessing he lives in the United States based on his like um, speech pattern, either that or UK, but I doubt it. He didn't use a lot of UK language. Anyway, I would have expected like, he would worry that like, if he had like a short position or something like that, and he has a, you know, decides to go and say lots of negative things, you could also be construed as being in violation of market manipulation if you try to like ultra FUD things and if you have an active position. So notice like uh, the, Laura Shin did not require um, 
like the the person she's interviewing to provide any disclosures or anything like that. So it's like on the one hand, Doe has to provide all these things, but notice that Laura Shin, uh, um, notice that uh, Fat Mantera were not held up necessarily the exact same standards. There wasn't a long, like I don't know, quasi legal like statement that oh, I have I have Luna or I don't have it. I have a short position. I don't. I had UST. I lost money in it, um, or any other sort of like um, detail. It was like, well, Fat Mantera just represents the so-called like uh, community that was attacked. Uh, you know, had problems. But like, I don't. I haven't had almost anyone in spaces over the past year that was an ex like major owner of UST or Luna uh, come in here and just sort of like provide a dramatic. Um, I don't know, like um uh, like diatribe or whatever against fat man i haven't seen uh, not fat man i'm sorry doe or for that matter against tfl i have seen almost nothing like you see almost no tweets by like original members of terra that really get into the details of like uh of 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 why they hate tfl or anything else in fact like if you look at the luna classic community it's almost all new people and they also have like this craziness, like, oh, like a uh, doe is bad. And like, we have escaped from TFL and we are now this decentralized organization. Bullshit. Um, it, it's like the entire thing is just like this farce. And basically, like uh, there's tons and tons of people just kind of like making all sorts of claims about all sorts of people. But like a, a lot of like low information, sort of low intellect discussion going on. But I've seen very little like on Twitter and I've been watching, you know, like most people that had anything to do with Terra, Luna, or probably had substantial amounts of money in it. And like the, the comments they've made against TFL or otherwise, and I've seen not much regarding like, you know, negativity like this is TFL's fault. I think most of us who are in it, like who are in Terra, knew all of these risks were a possibility, whether we chose to sort of like believe them or not, whether we chose to like allocate properly or not. Um, I think most people that were in it, like understood it to there are risks, right? Anyway, so these are kind of just some like comments I would say about those two videos. And then the last thing I think was, um, yeah, so one of my bigger uh, pet peeves or whatever it is, is that exchanges like Binance, uh, like, I don't know, I think crypto.com eventually did and some others, a lot of these exchanges listed UST as a stable coin. But when, when push came to shove, they didn't provide one-to-one -one remittance for those things, right? That is by definition the scam, right? Like if anything was a scam, it was Binance, it was um, other is KuCoin and other exchanges who during the DPEG time, all they had to do is always say like, all right, look, we guarantee one-to-one. -one. If we offer a stable coin, it doesn't matter what Tether says. It doesn't matter what Circle says. It doesn't matter what Terra says. We will provide one-to-one -one um, like sale of your UST, um, I mean, return on your UST if you come here and you um, uh, like, uh, you know, especially if it's customers who have bought the UST on their platform in the past, they should provide provide at least that much um, reserve capacity to like, you know, provide back dollars or tethers or some other thing in, in remittance. And I think that was obviously remiss. And it was a massive failure of any kind of like algorithmic stablecoin system in that you can't export it out of your chain to centralized exchanges who will not provide one-to-one -one remittance or guarantees for your dollar. Sort of like what USDC and um, 
Coinbase currently have as an arrangement, right? If you go to Coinbase, if you try to buy or sell USDC for dollars, you're not even charged fees. It's one-to-one perfect. Like I do it all the time. Um, it's one of the reasons why I use Coinbase is because you get that benefit um, when you convert from like uh, Ethereum, well, any of the um, uh, USDC variants, whether it's Polygon, Ethereum, whatever, you get one-to-one with the with dollar um, with that exchange. And that's an arrangement, I guess, they have with Circle Corporation. And Binance and such did not do this. So, And, none, and oh, neither fact oh, Real quick, Steffi, though, or real quick, Steffi like, because there's the three pool, man, yeah. right? Like, the, the, this whole thing was precipitated. So I don't, I think that might be a bad standard to hold exchanges to that. No, but what I'm saying is, Rose, what I'm saying is Binance did of not have listed it. Three pool. Well, perhaps Binance and Gemini shouldn't, maybe shouldn't have listed it, and Qcoin maybe never should have listed it. Exactly. But at the end of the day, the the value that they were referencing of it being a stable coin was largely derived from the three pool where USDC and hey, USDT and USD were pulled together there, right? So, so in that pool, when that became imbalanced, that's when shit got fucked up. Yeah, no, it, but it balanced or otherwise, the point is like, these are all things that Binance and others should evaluate before they list. Right? Agreed. And, they, and, and in that evaluation, they should then, based on their projections on how many of their customers are going to use this new stable coin, should then, they should be reserving in the three pool themselves or in the new four pool that was going to come out, right? And remember- That's where these exchanges should have been using their insurance, whatever they- so yeah, they're centralized so, assets so that they're Binance, allowed to manage. Binance in particular should then have had a hedge position to plan on buying UST if it dropped exactly. out of the three cooler four pool, right? The the bottom line is like the exchanges when they list a stable coin, the general public in retail don't have any fucking clue what Terra is. They don't they don't know what Luna is. They only know maybe what UST is because they're just using it as a as a as a um in you know a tool for trading or whatever it is, right? So at the end of the day, like there's a lot of things that uh exchanges do that don't make any sense. Like Coinbase listing all sorts of shit coins that make no sense whatsoever. Uh like clear cut securities um with very little warning of how centralized those particular coins are and everything else. Um Coinbase in particular is clearly guilty of listing just straight garbage the last year. Um, that that's for sure. <laughs> like uh, clear yeah, securities, no, sure. things that would come under securities violations, et cetera. And by the way, I don't remember how many times I mentioned um, in Twitter Spaces and otherwise that Luna is most was most definitely a security. Like by any any metric of any kind, it was a security. And if anything, if if Doe should be blamed for something, it would be trying to claim that UST was a decentralized stablecoin, which it clearly was not. Like it was clearly centralized. That would probably be the most egregious statement. Even the chai stuff and all this other bullshit, like those are all minor things compared to like this claim that it was decentralized. I don't remember when it was, but like uh, one thing I had commented on maybe like uh, six months or nine months ago was, you know, what would have been really, really bullish for TFL is if TFL would have burned their, um, if they would have burned their own Luna, that massive pile of Luna just destroyed it outright, right? That way it removed this like overhead concern that they were eventually going to dump on the market. That was one of the reasons why uh, like Luna had more short positions they're going to build closer to the top because at some point or the other, it was a given that TFL was going to sell, right? Um, it'd be no different than Galaxy Digital who sold. 
and I forget the other um, like hedge funds and stuff that dumped on retail users at the top, right? These are people that bought in early, but they didn't believe in the system enough to keep their positions, say, for example, until, I don't know, like Luna was like a trillion dollar market cap or something like that. They sold way, way too early in a sense for like when you compare how much UST was outstanding. So, so you could argue that all of these large like um, institutions, Binance and a lot of the others, um, like sort of perpetuated the, the final destruction. Um, it wasn't just like Anchor Protocol that, that caused this to occur. That had an effect for sure, especially when people started like, um, there were some several large withdrawals like Celsius and others, but there was uh, like, but all of the like pieces were in place uh, to cause a sort of like top to Luna's price in a sense anyway, because TFL owned so much of it. But like, how would they have gone about like burning their Luna, maybe doing it over a period of time or whatever? That would have been a really, really strong meme. And I, I brought it up just like flippantly a few times, but like, um, but again, I'm not a member of TFL. I'm not Do Kwan. Like, I don't decide what to do with TFL's money. And neither do we actually. It's not a community thing to decide what TFL does with their money. That's the problem. So I think it was always centralized. Um, and, and that to me would be like the primary complaint, not all this like shenanigans about whatever. And I think that's what South Korea is essentially trying to say with the Capital Act. They're trying to say essentially, we, we believe that like, you know, Terraform Labs issued essentially what amounts to an unregistered security, which essentially it is, right? If you take all the crypto, you know, uh, like shenanigans out of it and the crypto language, ultimately it was a type of security. But what's different than traditional securities in crypto is that crypto have um, additional utilities besides being a security. So like stocks, for example, you wouldn't convert to UST, right? Or whatever, like you wouldn't have these different like um, functional mechanisms in that context. But uh, like, but in essence, like overall, like if, if TFL had burned their Luna, then I think uh, the odds that it would have been construed as security or that it would have represented um, like uh, a violation of the Capital Act, at least in it, after, after the fact, if they, had, they just burned all their shares, their shares of Luna, then like they would not have been a governmental attack vector um, to go after them at that point. Because you could just say, well, look, we burned all of our shares. It's not a security anymore. If it was at one point, I don't know. It's not anymore. And like you would just kind of like brush your hands of it, which is what they should have done, I think, um, before a legal event happened. But anyway, that's that's all what it should have put up. But um, uh, Beast, what's up, man? Uh, Beast, you there? Oh, hey, yeah. I just wanted to say, yeah, like um, after the crash, like I did learn and I started to, uh, um, you know, look into all that stuff. And yeah, it's like don't put a blame on, on dope. Put a blame on everybody, you know, that's sold and, and you know, for um and so on because I, I think just like it's easier to blame somebody right um and to find an answer like that but it's it's harder to do the research right but thank you for all the the wisdom that you've been providing on these spaces because it it has been helping a lot well i don't know how much it helps i think it it, it maybe helps like you know, analyze like the next thing you get into or whatever but like i don't know it like here's the thing like mm, anytime you have a central company like tfl you have a founder like Doe, like it's irrational to imagine that no mistakes will be made, right? Like, you know, mistakes are going to be made. There'll be mistakes made in messaging. 
there are going to be mistakes made in like market signaling. Like you say something and the coin price pumps or dumps or whatever. There are centralization risks. Like if something happens to the company or a founder, there are like, yeah, like so many different things that could technically go wrong. And I think what happened was, is as the, as things started to pick up in the background, I think TFL started thinking to themselves, oh shit, like uh, there's way too much money in Anchor. The criticisms, I think they were taking seriously in the background. I think they were like, uh-oh, this fucking thing is like, look like it's going to tump over. We need to do something about this. And they didn't know what to do about it. Because here's the thing. If they said to you, like if they just announced to everybody, okay, this is, too, this is not like, this is not balanced anymore. There, there's not sufficient like Luna collateral. There are too many ways to short Luna and UST out there. Um, like, you know, this could go very wrong. Then what would have happened? They would have fud our bags, essentially. They would have been skewered for exactly the same things that we're bitching about anyway. And the whole system would have collapsed. So the problem with like a currency is like whether it's any kind of fiat currency or otherwise is it's the entire thing is a human confidence scam, right? I don't care if it's US dollar, the Russian ruble or whatever the fuck it is. Every currency is a confidence scam. It's like not a scam, but you know what I mean? It's about confidence. It's about trust. And once that trust is broken, whether it's broken by like, I don't know, a Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine or whether it's like the US printing gajillions of dollars, you know, via the Fed or whatever. Um, I think uh, that messaging and that financial signaling is something that will happen in these large currency systems. And you should expect that to be the norm. It's not like abnormal for that to happen. It's just, it is what it is, right? Like, it's like a law of the nature. It's like a law of the universe or whatever. So in this case, like with, with TFL and, and what happened, I think they recognized that uh, things were getting in a bit more trouble and they had to figure out a way to sort of like retroactively sort of solve this problem that algorithmic stable coins were not going to be sufficient because, especially because of what I said, which is that exchanges were not willing to remit one-to-one. And as a result, like if they were, by the way, you would have had like Binance, KuCoin, Coinbase, whoever else, you would have had essentially what amounts to the current um, uh, like Fed banking system, right? Let's say you had a dozen major exchanges all saying that they would remit one-to-one. You now have the confidence of those exchanges as the actual sort of like backing collateral, you would not actually have to collateralize it directly because like, in a sense, the confidence in the system would be there. But, um, you know, now what, like what ended up happening instead is Binance and others like had the ability to like allow you to short UST and like uh, you had the ability to short Luna simultaneously. So they actually had all of the mechanisms to wreck the system that they were building on yeah, you could argue that it was on purpose or not on purpose, but now, like, look, even now, you could argue that, hey, look, BUSD, which is Binance USD, has become really, really popular with very high volume. They have these predatory practices where they're not even like charging fees to trade on Binance for BUSD, Bitcoin pairs and stuff, and the volume has skyrocketed. If you've noticed, I don't know if you like look at the BTC BUSD chart, or for for that matter, just look at Binance's chart on Bitcoin generally. And it has the, the volume has skyrocketed because they drop fees. They're doing the Amazon route where they're like, you know, remember when Amazon Prime was super, super cheap and like everyone joined in and now Amazon Prime's getting more and more expensive. They they sacrificed profit early on in order to sort of like acquire more users. So so very, very centralized institution is Binance. And it's like a huge like wrecking ball waiting to happen in crypto. If like if uh, they get dragged in front of 
um, any number of countries for sort of crimes against humanity or some bullshit, right? The entire crypto market could take a to take a fucking nosedive if something happens. And so, like, here we are. We're saying there's possible FUD there. No one's going to believe it until something actually happens. And then, of course, everyone will say, well, you know, you shield Luna or something. Like, you know, like, it's just nonsense. Like, the the there's so many risk vectors out there, even today. And um, I think the Terra Luna scenario um, where people go after blaming sort of like one individual or company for trying to do something, um, you know, that, that, you know, makes me wonder, like, here's Do Kwan, he's at least doxxed, right? Which basically puts his wife at risk. It puts his, you know, like newborn baby at risk. Um, like, he would have to be a complete moron to basically, like, reveal which city he's from, right? Uh, it's interesting that Fat Mantera calls uh, Do Kwan a sociopath, but there, then again, like, you would be a sociopath to dox yourself in that context and put your wife and child at risk. It's idiotic at best. And there's almost no evidence that you're going to get a fair trial in South Korea. Like, like Terraform Labs and like Luna clearly violate security laws. I don't know what else to say. Like, unless he just wants to simply go serve time or something for violating security laws, I would say he should just stay hidden forever and like, forget about it. I don't like, this idea that somehow you're going to get some kind of useful fair trial in crypto uh, in South Korea, that some total chance of that is zero, in my opinion. Like, he, because, it, like, well, even if it wasn't fair, yeah, unless he were just wanted to claim, yeah, I'm guilty, I'm going to walk in and, like, turn myself in. Like, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to help anybody. Um, to me, it's like, the other thing, too, is, like, if you look at uh, Luna now, right, you have to make a decision. Like, so you have vesting rewards. Maybe you have, uh, you know, you know, you have, you're stuck with bags of Luna. What are you going to do about it? Is it better to like have the system be useful at some point and the talented people at TFL, like who have essentially taken no sort of ownership stake of coins in the new chain that they keep building stuff and then that your bags go up in value and somehow you recuperate some of your value? Would you prefer that? Or would you prefer like, you know, like the burn TFL at the stake type of mentality? And then like have what uh, nobody building anything there and then just leave it to the wind. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure which is better for the investors. Right. I, I would think the investors who have original Luna probably want Luna's value to go up if you still own it um, uh, or got an airdrop in it or whatever, you know, like whatever happened. So I don't know. That, that's kind of my position. I have plenty of Luna still uh, from the airdrop. It's vesting. Um, and I have to decide ultimately what to do with that. Do I hold it? Am I going to sell it? Um, do I believe like TFL or Doquan or whatever is going to produce something? Um, and is is that going to like bring back value to us in some way? I suspect it, they will. And I suspect that like the odds of the um, we getting sort of financial benefit from growth of the chain, uh, I think the odds are high just based on the hints I've seen as far as like what's being produced in the background. Um, does that mean there's any guarantees? No, of course not. But like this weird like, you know, Fat Man Terra FUD um, is, is interesting, except like when I hear like a lot of the interviews going on with it, I don't see a lot of indication that, you know, Fat Man Terra was a big user of UST, Luna or anything else, right? It's almost like a grifter talk. Like I, I haven't seen any discussion out of him or tweets out of him that suggest any real good understanding of the inner workings of Terra, Luna or anything else. And he seems like a total grifter to me. Like I can give, I can FUD tons of different things about Luna, Mirror Protocol, um, and any other fucking things that we invested in. 
um, I can give you a laundry list of like weaknesses and reasons why it should have crashed or shouldn't have crashed. But when I hear Fat Man Terra talk, all I hear is like, okay, like this is someone who wants to like make tweets about like, let's hang Doquan, let's get him, let's, he should go back to South Korea to face charges. For what? Like, first of all, what do you think you're going to get because he shows up in South Korea? You're, you think Luna's going to go up? You think what? Uh, you're going to get your money back in UST? You think you're going to go and like, uh, uh, they're going to figure out how to raid his quote unquote bank account and somehow like provide restitution for everybody? It's nonsense. Like there is zero chance of this shit happening. Welcome to DeFi, boys and girls. Like what is wrong with everybody? Like why would you believe a word he says? It's just idiotic. Like it just makes no sense at all. If I was going to fucking prison, you're not getting any of my goddamn money. That's for damn sure. Like, you know, especially in crypto, I'd be like, oh, hmm, I don't remember my seed phrase, right? Boating accident. Like, fuck you. That's what's going to happen. So I don't know, like this idea that somehow he's going to like show up and now and, and Doquan's not even sitting there trying to make claims like, oh, everyone should love him or something. He didn't go on the show um, to try to sort of like, um, I don't know, like shill himself or his brand or whatever. I mean, maybe he has PR specialists in the background telling him what to do and what not to do. I don't know. But I didn't get the sense that he was just kind of shilling himself with the idea that like, well, maybe at some point in the future, if he was to run a company, uh, then that company is going to moon because like, you know, it's not over, right? Like that kind of thing. Um, I can, you can see that among like people that are worried about their personal PR. I think at this point, he's stuck with the problem of, well, my reputation sort of fucked either way. I'm, I have to decide like how I'm going to like live my life. Um, and you know, there's not some sort of rational way to, I don't know, disperse funds of his or anybody else's to like um, existing, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, Luna, you know, Luna holders who who lost UST or whatever in the crash. Um, remember, a lot of that UST, by the way, um, and like uh, some Luna was held on exchanges like, I don't know, like I remember if Celsius had any, but Voyager certainly did. Voyager hasn't even released it. Like you got screwed if you had your Luna on Voyager because like people um, got it stuck there. They went bankrupt. They couldn't even, you couldn't even get like your airdrop for your a personal wallet to get the new Luna too. So people who had Luna and UST on exchanges really got um, like additionally sort of screwed in all of this. And um, like, I don't know. Like, hey, Sophie, just one thing about Fatman Terra, right? Um, this guy. Um, it seems to me that he's got a vested interest in something, which is kind of weird because I don't believe in altruism. I think it's complete bullshit. Anyone that says, oh, I'm doing this for the betterment of mankind is just full of it, you know. So um, what's his again agenda, right? What he's What is he up to? What's, what's his, because what he gets out of it, I mean, he helps everyone and makes everyone whole again and he pays all the people their losses out of his pocket or what's the story? But what do we get when he's in prison, right? I mean, if he gets no quad in prison and he finds him, he finds him somewhere and, and they arrest him, what's going to happen? Nothing's going to happen, right? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> hey, Bruce. You mean what's the benefit for Fat Man? Exactly, yeah. There's some motive. No one does anything we're without in, a motive. We're in an attention economy, and he got amazing amounts of attention. He got a hundred k thousand. He got a hundred k Twitter followers within like a couple months, and that can be yeah, well, that, in the future. Yeah, that would be good for 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 Luna. Even I mean, anything. I mean, the worst can be that no one is talking about Luna. Look, right? That's the worst that can happen at the moment. 
as long as there's some people talking about it, and even if they're angry with the Okwan and whatever, I mean, you have news, right? And then news are good news. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't look at I wouldn't look directly at Luna for the incentive for Fat Man. I would look at just um, building an account from outrage and acting like a person who knows what's going on and can promise compensation or whatever. He, and he can move on to other things, like he can move from Luna to some other big um, financial some NFTs. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Like you know, actually, uh, Bruce, you know what? Like. Uh, I think th there was like grifters that came along for not only the the Luna crash, but also Voyager and Celsius too. Like pre yep. people who had no idea what they're talking about kind of showed up and like formed new Twitter accounts and like, you know, yep. having a spaces every day and like trying to build followers and shit. That's, yeah, yeah, there's that's still the one guy around. There's some bald guy from the UK around. I can't remember his name. It's the easiest way though. If there's a financial disaster, and people are in a state of grief and heartbreak and they want to know what's going on because there's always incomplete information. Nobody quite knows. And 99% of investors don't really know the full situation. You know, the, the blockchain and all the intricacies and the founder's intent and everything like that is complicated. Um, so to create an account where you, you kind of pull at the heartstrings and promise compensation or at least updates on what's going on and how you might be able to get your money back, that is immensely powerful. So that's why he goes follow it. It's the Messiah move, right? Exactly. No, it's the move where like you have you don't have enough information and you have suffered and you are looking for absolute information. You're literally looking for God. It's like it's the it's the actual it's what yeah. you're doing in your brain. You're looking for like some sort of absolute answer that will you know, cure everything for you. Yeah. You right? want certainty and you want your money back. And if that person represents a way to get it, you're gonna pay very close attention to what they say but he this if you're if you play that kind of character or you become that kind of character in a disaster um everyone will follow you and you can also transition later on to other you know there's that account like um zach xbt you know the this the sleuthy guy who looks up um what bitboy and whoever else has done i think fat man wants to be that kind of person long term um obviously he's he's doing it in uh, yeah, a but lot the difference is that comes out of nowhere. I mean, this is like a, <laughs> he's really pointing things out like a, a Fed, you know. Well, I, I'm, what I mean is like the future of his account. I think he wants that kind of thing. And, and yeah, and then when you have that, there are infinite ways to make money from it. It's, yeah, the following, the attention and the ways to make money in future. That's a, a huge incentive for anyone. It's just so easy. Like how much time did he spend um, versus how many followers he got? Not much, really. Yeah, the other thing he, the other claim he makes is, oh yeah, I've been in crypto for ten years. Do you know how many people are in crypto in twenty twelve? Like fucking nobody was in crypto, and he doesn't have any of the language of someone who would have been so hardcore in crypto in twenty twelve to be in it. Like you, your language in terms of like literally everything you say and how you say it, what you say, like like the the lingo of crypto, he has none of it. So the odds of this being true are near zero, in my opinion. Like, that's just kind of just watching him. Anyway. I don't know. I don't think that's a good argument because a lot of people have been in crypto a long time, but they know almost nothing. But, tw <laughs> like, but 2012, I mean, you would have to have been like, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you're where you're working, like you're at Mt. Gox and whatever, and like, you know, yeah. or you're mining crypto yourself with a Bitcoin miner. Like, I don't know, the probability is just low. He doesn't speak the uh, I, I agree. I agree on average, but I don't think, like, the duration is any kind of credential. 
No, it's not. It's not a credential. But I, what I'm saying is, I think that's one of the lies he kind of was mentioning. Like, I don't think it's true. I think the yeah. odds he was in it for ten years. Yeah. Oh, well, you have a lot of specialists on Twitter, right? And sometimes sometimes crypto, don't ten years is just like feels like one year, though. You know what I mean? Like, I I got into crypto like two years ago. I feel like I've been in it for twenty, for sure. Yeah. I got into crypto like uh, a couple of months back with the Lunkdown thing, but people keep saying, "Oh, you've been here for ages, Bruce. You're lying." It's just, it's just to me, it's just like one big laugh. It's funny. Do we know if he uh, paid that dude that he lost the bet to that uh, Binance would obviously not? What was it? It was that Binance and none of the major CXs would implement a burn. It was like one BTC or something, and he took the, took half a BTC as collateral from the dude. And said, uh, "Yeah, I'd, I'd pay you one BTC if if they do." And he just never, I uh, never heard any confirmation about that. Brother Chugs, if you if anyone is stupid enough to make a bet with Fat Man, uh, a low integrity guy like that, they deserve to lose it. Oh, no, but they won. Like it was, it was funny because he did the bet straight after uh, CZ shared the Medium article. Like, and he got all excited, like, "Yeah, CZ's my best friend now." Yeah, yeah. And then, like a day later, he puts the burn tax in for me. He's like, "Yeah, we're gonna burn all uh, all spot trade fees." And it's like, "What? What?" No, I get it. I, but my my point is, like, if you make a bet with Fan Man, do you think he's gonna pay? Oh like, God, no, no, God, no. I, I mean, I he's just gonna, try to make he, a- he's gonna twist the terms. He's gonna say, "Oh, I meant the one point two percent tax. I meant whatever." This literally, what he did. What I, what I tweeted him by is exactly what he did. I was like, so uh, have you paid that dude back? And he actually told me to mind my own business. So all that transparency about he wants from Duquan, but he can't tell uh, if he paid the bet to the dude. And that is none of my business, apparently. So, uh, yeah, always good. It's just a nonsense. It's what, like, why would you ever make that bet? You can make a bet with a friend who you know in real life or something. But like a random Twitter anon who's willing to lie about anything. Just like the stupidest bet in the world. If a guy actually sent the money somewhere, like half a Bitcoin, they deserve to lose it. Why is nobody talking about it? Wait, nobody talking about what? <laughs> you don't see these Twitter bots, right? It's like, why is nobody talking about it? You know, it's all the fucking time. I don't know. Like, yeah, Twitter, you know, attention span is short, right? You could you could say almost anything, I, I suppose, like, and it'll just sort of fly by. Um, it, yeah, it, whether something does or not have like Twitter consensus or whatever is not a great, um, indicator of a whole lot of anything, but today, like, so one of the things happening right now is like telegram channels regarding like what to do with Adam 2.0 and like the formation of councils in order to sort of figure out how to spend like some sort of treasury that's being minted ultimately to fund operations you guys probably followed a little bit of this and i and i posted this doquan uh i'm sorry i posted the fat man laura shin interview and i posted it that forum i'm like all right you guys watch this and now you understand how difficult it is to sort of maintain quote unquote absolute transparency that the public wants um like it's almost impossible to actually run some kind of centralized crypto organization and not get flack from it um, in fact, even with all of the regulatory shit regarding like, um, you know, stocks regarding SEC and everything else, right? Like even then you don't have anything close to absolute knowledge about what's inside Mark Zuckerberg's head, like what's inside, you know, like what's, what are the teams producing or not producing? Like uh, how accurate are their statements forward looking or otherwise? Um, how like useful is all of that data to tell you if like Facebook stock's going to go up or down or whatever? 
it's really just all like just a big asymmetric information problem where those in the know uh, like can't give you a full accounting of all knowledge necessary for an investor to make the quote unquote perfect decision. And this is just amplified in crypto to some extent. And I think, I don't know, like these, these ideas like people have of treating like TFL or let's say maybe like the Cosmos people for Adam 2.0 or something like that. The idea that somehow you're going to get like traditional finance type disclosures and transparency, there's just zero chance of this. Like, like that's why like my, my favorite phrase has become decentralized finance equals decentralized culpability. There's just no chance of this. This is the reason why like, I don't know, Bitcoin doesn't have a identifiable founder. And I think like if you were to create some sort of crypto project, my opinion is it should be entirely uh, like all things should be like on chain. All things should be non-doxed, meaning like if, if it gets really, really big, you don't wind up having like founder risks. Um, like, like, for example, if Satoshi was you knew who he was, like he'd have his life at risk at all times. Um, and I think those are th risks that you take when it comes to doxed systems. I know everyone wants to have like, oh, I'm only going to invest in doxed things because I think maybe rug pulls are going to happen if not. And um, yeah, the, the entire process like seems sort of ridiculous to me in that like it's this most of the system, like most of crypto is a quasi tradfi sort of like reenactment but not even done as well as traditional finance. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think when you invest in these things, you should understand like that they're ultra high risk and like you should allocate accordingly. If you have the money or the income level to like throw large quantities of money into these things, um, fine. But like, just because you saw someone on the internet that, that you know, claimed that like they bought 10,000 of this or $20,000 of that or a million dollars of this or that does not make it any more safe necessarily just because of large sums of money. And I think one of the things with um, crypto too is it's like it's this price meme effect, right? The higher the price goes, you and I or, or the average retail user says to themselves, wait, okay, it's been a few years, it survived. And like, as a result, um, that means that like price is a consensus mechanism. And because price is going up, it must be legit, right? Like that's the sort of the ethos of um, like long-term time-tested like price consensus or in a way like higher highs and lower lows, uh, higher highs and higher lows and the price keeps going up. So therefore it must be legitimate. That's what most people consider doing their own research. Honestly, I would say probably like 99% of people, their primary research quote unquote is like, Oh look, price is going up and therefore it must be legit. Um, and I think that was true of Terra. It was true of almost anything. Like, um, I think human beings love price as a consensus. Like, for example, if you go to the small and you buy a, I don't know, a Louis Vuitton bag, like, um, Addie's not here, but you know, she likes kind of like high end, like, you know, high end stuff. Then, um, it's this implication that, um, this thing is more important or more useful or something because it's costs more. And those companies tend to use that price effect. They don't lower their um, sale prices to lower than a certain amount because it cheapens the brand. Um, human beings really use like price as a consensus mechanism um, like to our detriment uh, oftentimes. Like you see it all the time in the stock market too. Like you'll have some, um, 
I don't know, like, what was it? Uh, there was some stock that like just totally mooned because, you know, Trump said he was interested in or something like that. And then the price goes up and everyone jumps on board and um, it, it happens all the time. Anyway, Yiz, you were going to say something? Well, um, yeah, I mean, Fat Man's a, uh, he's a psyop. Whether or not he's an individual or backed by some backers, it doesn't really matter. Um, yes. Yeah. People say that you're a psyop. How do you answer them? <laughs> I'm a psyop for sure. <laughs> right? We're all a psyop. That's the point. And uh, his is meant to lie and distract. It's obvious. And so um, you can tell with certain Anon, right? And so if he's not going to show his face to Laura, that's, that's, that's not what she needs to be doing as a quote-unquote journalist, right? And so the point is, is that, yeah, I'm a PSYOP, you a PSYOP, everyone a PSYOP. He's been successful because he's played to um, the worst, the distrust, you know, the fucking denigration of the human. I mean, and and this is a, a form of justice that this community has adopted. It's it's punitive. And uh, so the Korean government, you know, wants a, you know, SEC kind of enforcement mechanism that's criminal. That's that's bullshit. And that's like state power um, over a, a, a 31 year old guy. That's just my judgment. But the point is, is that punitive justice is not what this community wants to be perpetrating. It, it, it just doesn't work as a community just. And so the alternatives right are what they call restorative where you, where you re- repair the harm and i don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about do kwan i listen to the guy i know i see his face and when i hear him say i i fucked up i made a mistake we we failed that's it so that's him taking 100% responsibility let whatever fucking justice authorities there are out there decide in in, in their municipality if he's violating the law that's well, not well he is you know like yeah. that man's yeah counter to that was What's that? he 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 said he sh- you should um he should be like handing out all of his money to to people that lost money. Yeah. That was like, it's not enough to simply say you're yeah. sorry or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's, I'm like, fat man, fuck you, man. I, I read all of the disclosures on anchor and on mirror and on terrorist day. I'm, I'm a hundred percent responsible. And that's why all of the whining and crying and fucking um, projection of hurt and loss and punishment onto Doe is absurd. And so that's why. <laughs> that, uh, that's the thing. So, I don't think, I don't think uh, Fat Mentera lost anything in this. Like he doesn't. I think of course not. It's clear. He it's clear. Lose a few thousand or something. Um, yeah, but yeah. But he, it's, he, it's clear he, there he, are a lot of Doquan apologists in here. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, I think the funny thing is, Coach, like, you could basically um, find lots of reasons to roast TFL and Doquan, actually. I just think the arguments being made are just stupid. Like, there's much better ways to roast them if you wanted to. <laughs> I, know. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I mean, the point here is, is that, uh, yeah, I can roast Doe, okay? 
uh, Sefi, you said that, you know, he said it was decentralized. I, what I always heard was this is an algorithmic stable. Yeah, they talked about decentralization, but it really was an algorithm, right? And uh, what we didn't talk about and, and what we didn't, and, and this is me, I, I had the chance to talk to him. I mean, he, he and I were in a dialogue. The guy was fucking so fucking transparent, and which is part of the problem for founders out there. You know, just because a quote-unquote community demands transparency, that doesn't mean you give it to them, right? It's like a lot of people ask us for a lot of things. You don't give people yeah, what they it's, ask it's almost like it's almost like yes. It's imagine um, th- this is a common problem among like uh, intelligence agencies, for example. Uh, so like, let's say the CIA or somebody like this, right. Knew something about some country. Um, do they reveal everything that they discover, reveal all of this sort of like, um, dirt that they dig up on whoever on the planet or not, right? Like, should they be transparent or not? And I think the fact that like, that there are some piece of information that are probably need to know this is like the other problem with having an, a, a group like TFL or Doe at the center. Like, let's say they did know that the system was going to fail. Should they project it a priori? That's kind of what I was mentioning earlier today. Right. I don't know. <laughs> do you try to fix it? And, and, and then, like, do you try to fix it and another... get blamed for not being transparent enough? Like, do you just try to quietly fix it in the background, do something, form LFG, whatever the hell? And do something, or do you just like say, okay, by the way, guys, everyone, the party's over. We discovered this could be, this has weaknesses. It could go to zero. Um, see ya. We're selling all the TFL is going to sell all of our Luna. Uh, bye, guys. Um, it's it's no good. Um, game over. Like, what would have been the better outcome? <laughs> like, you know, like it's like, yeah. Does anyone else want to come up and try and justify Do Kwan's behavior? No, not really. But what he was just saying, I think it's it's pretty. He's pretty spot on. I mean, uh, is it always reasonable to be so open source? Because you see what I, I just saw in the last two weeks, I think there was a hack and it was mentioned in a discord before on the devs and it's all public, right? Someone said, hey, you have to do something. There's a, the, this can be exploited and someone read it, right? And two days after you got the exploit and they stole, I don't remember what it was, but I mean, there's a problem about disclosing these things, right? Because you pointed out to some evil being that just waits for this kind of let's say uh nice guys just trying to fix the problem and you tell everyone very openly hey, we've got a problem there and they're like yeah uh, <laughs> great you know <laughs> i just want to move past duke one if i'm completely honest i'm getting bored of duke one now like it's, it's, it's been going on for what six or seven months we can't do anything about it like, let, let the authorities do their thing. You know, let people try and do hide and seek, do Quan in their little Discord, fucking anonymous wannabe, like, you know, situation and move on. Like, Fat Man's irrelevant. That's why he keeps doing what he's doing. Let's be real. He is completely irrelevant. Didn't he say he was going to be giving out some of his own money to people that lost money? Didn't see anything like that. Like, you know, it's just, yeah. Oh, he's moving. said that he would start a validator on the new Lunar Network. Um, and he did, but it didn't get enough delegations to enter the set so it would just shut down so he probably paid a couple thousand or whatever to run that and then just failed so basically he was trying to support luna 
and paying no. old Luna people while fudding Luna, so making his whole investment like that. He just was, he's not got any sort of intelligence, has he? If you think of it like that, like it's well, like, you could see it cynically, you could see it also like he got all these apparent victims, although like 90% of his followers are bots. He got all these victims together, and then he said to them, If you stake with me, my validator, then I will put those rewards towards helping you. So he was trying to convert the following he had into stakers um, and then claiming that the rewards would go to help them. So you could call it a grift as well, if you like. Yeah, well, good thing no one helped him and he rage quit and he started getting pissed off and the people like Rebel Akbar that started defending him and all that sort of shit. It's, it, you've got to give him credit where he's due. He does know how to uh, turn people against, well, Lump and Luna. He, he's, he's good at it. He, he is. Well, that's not difficult, right? You just have to remind them how much they lost. <laughs> Very true. How did that prison thing uh, affect you, Coach? Because he's a bit of a prick, isn't he? The what, sorry? That prison video <laughs> with that redneck that just like started spouting off on me. I think my favorite thing of that video was put that in your pipe and smoke it while he like, looked at you with oh. crazy eyes. <laughs> what did you say, though? Prison? Like what? Was there like prism something? Prism sphere or some shit? I don't oh, know. Like, yeah, Stella Prism. That's the one. Stella Prism. Oh my god. He, he let's just say that 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 was a nice morning wake up. He put me in a few stitches. Yeah, I got wrecked. Like that was it for me. That was like my credibility was already pretty low, but that that just fucking annihilated it. That's why I'm never coming back to Twitter. Never. Not not once. No. It's done. So Stella was the one that uh, put the knife in your back, the final, the final knife. He, uh, he, he was right in his video saying that by his standards, he's winning this argument, I think is what he said. His, um, his follow-up argument's quite funny. I noticed, uh, I don't know if you read this, Sefi, but some people in Lunkdow were having like a three-hour discussion with him in replies. They went like 200 replies deep. They were arguing with him again and again. Um, but it was a little bit silly because... Uh, he he was just totally unwilling to come on the space. The whole reason I did it in the first place was to try and bait him into coming into one of these spaces. Like I was calling him a keyboard warrior and doing the clown emoji or whatever. But all I wanted was like a real conversation. And he was just unwilling. But he managed to spend about 10 hours typing and also making that video, which is a bit weird. He's gone quiet for like ages. Makes me nervous. I saw him unmute there. Yeah, he stepped out of the Faraday cage, that's why. Had to reconnect here. Kind of had some transition issues from Wi-Fi to my phone. <clears throat> yeah, I had some kind of like bad news yesterday. One of the, uh, I was talking about a uh, doctor friend that we knew. Um, we got a call about, and he's uh, an interesting guy, like very, very, uh, uh, very, very nice individual. And um, he actually lost both of his hands. Um, this was back, like, maybe, I don't know, a number of years ago. He lost his hands, and uh, this was related to, like, uh, a sepsis infection complication. He survived that. He went on to working and, um, you know, largely just, like, almost semi-volunteering his time because he didn't really make a lot of money at his follow-up work or whatever. And uh, he um, <clears throat> just like had another event this last week and and died. So 
that was that. That's why I had to drop off that call yesterday, Bruce. Bruce, like, just checking out on what's going on with all that. But he had like literally like two hand, hook hands, you know, like the little metal, um, mm. metal. Uh, what do you call it? Like I don't know. I don't know how you control those things exactly. I didn't really get into it with him. But he'd go to like the gym every day after all this uh, for a number of years and like did pretty well actually. But we kept like teaching, teaching uh, doctors and like practicing and stuff even without like uh, either of his two hands. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's sad. And were, was his death a consequence of the original complications? Mm, I think, uh, you know, if you look at the type of issues he had, to me, he seems like someone who has like a genetic tendency towards severe infection complications. There's something called like a, um, there's a receptor called the, the toll-like receptor number four. And um, it has to do with... Um, Anyway, long story short, it has there's some genetic m mutations or like um, carriers or certain types of genes that result in a higher probability of like infection related complications in your life. <clears throat> and you know, my suspicion would be he has something like that because the second time around was very similar to the first time as far as like you know how he deteriorated and what happened. It's interesting that he didn't have like any major complications in between like in the middle like five years or whatever but succumbed to almost the same thing that he had the first time when he lost his hands but this time he died um but yeah it, uh, it's not so much like i'm necessarily surprised about like what killed him and how he died like these things just happen but uh the guy was a real class act like real impressive um so like He's one of those people that like kind of give you the sort of like optimism towards humanity type of people. Like he's really good. Um, so yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's good. Very sad. Sad as well for a surgeon to lose his livelihood in his hands. That's an awful thing. Yeah, and he's he wasn't actually a surgeon where he's like um, oh, I miss operating. That. He's more of a like a general medicine type position right so um, more of his work was cognitive than it was physical so that that actually probably was like in a benefit to him it's much much worse when you have surgeons who lose the ability to operate because it's like to it's like a destruction of who you are right like what are you going to do next you spend all this time and effort becoming this thing and by no fault of your own like whether it's like i don't know bone problems or back problems or whatever a lot of surgeons find themselves like unable to uh, continue after a certain age <clears throat> and like your um, sort of ability to pivot to some kind of secondary career is like psychologically really important because um, yeah it's not like just because you did everything right in life you got a great job you're really really intellectual whatever uh, there's no guarantee that things are going to go perfectly for you um, and we see that happen all the time I think I think in the last year, actually, I think almost like like four doctors I know have died uh, relatively young, actually, from different things. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like yeah, if you if you, if you do a, have a lead some kind of like financially good life or some other thing, like you're doing good for others. There's no guarantee how long you're going to be around in this earth and whatever.
So Seth, you know how like you get those people, those those companies that offer to do like these deep diagnosis on you. Like, there's nothing wrong with you, but it's like a health check where they take your blood. They, you know, they run proper like you know genome sequencing. They do everything they possibly can to like see anything that could go possibly wrong with you. Is it worth doing that like once a year just to see like you know everything is all right, or, or is it just like a waste of time then? Because like you said, you never know uh, what's going to happen. You're, you're, refer- you're referring to what's called like the executive physical. So um, these are done on like oftentimes high profile executives where if something were to happen to them, um, if something were to happen to them, then like it has major financial implications for shareholders or like, I don't know, company or something like that. Like, but do these things actually do a lot to prevent actual catastrophes or death or whatever? Not necessarily. Like there are pretty large studies and stuff that clarify like who should get, for example, like mammographies or, you know, what are the risk factors for colon cancer um, and this and that? Because the, the problem is, is like when you talk about screening. So if you start looking at PSA, which is like for prostate or you look at, I don't know, colonoscopy for colon cancer or CT scans of the lungs for lung cancer, you, you realize that like you wind up finding a lot of small lumps in your body that have nothing to do with anything. Like we call them nodules and they don't have any actual, like they're not going to be cancer necessarily. So I have a lot of patients that have, we do follow up on for some nodule that's detected in the lung, for example, you do follow up for a couple of years and this thing doesn't grow at all. But here's the thing. Um, when you do screening stuff and you do discover a small nodule, it will psychologically impact you for sure because you, you're going to always be thinking, hey, I have this nodule in my lung. Wait, is it cancer? You're going to make business decisions differently. You're going to make family decisions differently. You're going to make risk decisions differently. Like, So it's weird. Like The knowledge about your how the inside of you works actually affects your behavior like in ways that you're not, you're not going to fully predict. So... So ignorance is bliss, unless unless you feel like something. Yeah, there is a certain um, yeah, there is a certain argument to say that in some ways ignorance is bliss, Um, and the medical community ultimately has to like remember what you talked about earlier, which was like if the CIA remember I told you like if the CIA knew something about some country, should they release it? It's this sort of problem where like to some extent ignorance is bliss, and you only want to sort of acquire lots of information about something if there's something you can do about it right like i think bruce talked about this before like conspiracy theories like yeah sure if you knew that like 9-11 was caused by some sort of like internal organization or something weird like you had some you had some clue like what are you going to do about it like you know so you only need to go down a rabbit hole if you believe you can fix something unless it's like just knowledge itself is somehow interesting to you. But um, the same is true of like going down the rabbit hole of like finding little things inside your body. Cause look and you shall find, as they say, right? Like you start scanning the body, you will find little lumps here and there. And then you're kind of like scratching your head waiting, like, wait, is this going to be a tumor? Is this going to be something? And it will affect the way you behave and whether it's worth knowing that information or not um, is, uh, is like an open question is the way I look at it. Does that make sense? Like, I don't... And yeah, so, yeah, no, no, I, I, can, I completely get it. It's one of those things where it could be something, it's not likely to be something, and, like, yeah, it, it, yeah it, it's going to fuck so, with so, you mentally and psychologically. So the, medical, but, yeah. 
yeah so medical studies are done with a very specific intent like like if you're going to do a mass screening like for example for breast cancer right you want to make sure that all of that trouble is actually going to reduce mortality and increase the likelihood someone's going to survive and it can't be something like oh we detect it and there's nothing we can do about it anyway and you're going to die anyway then it's not worth screening for it on the other hand if you screen for it and most of the screening tests show false positives then it's not useful either right it's got to be at that right balance where like doing this thing matters long term in terms of outcome analysis and the problem is outcome studies are really really hard to do because they take a long time right like decades or whatever so this is why like this was like the classic problem of the vaccine covid thing right like people ask for all sorts of things like wait there's not enough data okay well then die then like don't take it or whatever like you're not going to get that data in a sufficient enough time frame to matter um, for those kinds of things. And so like, yeah, the screening types of things where they're t and testing for things, um, this is like not just true in medicine, it's like true in all areas of science where like engineered outcomes are expected. Um, it's true, like whether you're building an airplane and you're trying to prevent like a cat, yeah. like look so what happened to the Boeing, um, look what happened to Boeing with the Boeing Max airplane. Like uh, they created a system to prevent crashes and like it actually uh, caused a plane crash. Remember that? Like so, sometimes like um, things could end up becoming over-engineered, and you don't realize it till something bad happens. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, the, in other words, like uh, probabilistic outcomes and how to sort of optimize them is a very very hard subject. And like um, most of the human race, I'd say ninety nine percent do not have the statistical. Um, like framework in their minds to sort of analyze how that works, which is why you get so many like misconceptions about finance, economics, about like like everything. I honestly like about the nature of reality. It's very hard to understand it without having like a statistical framework in your mind of how to think these things through. And it's a common mistake, even among professionals who work in those fields. Like not everyone who say, for example, is a doctor, is necessarily good at like probabilistic thinking when it comes to uh, designing studies, like designing treatments, designing uh, or like recommending certain things, um, all of that, right? Like it's it's an interesting. Um, it, the entire arena is sort of interesting. The the unknowable future, and what to do about it, and how much of like the past, or even the present. Like for example, scan of your body. Can you can you, like, how much information can you glean with that that's going to be useful for you? And how much noise you're going to generate that's going to actually make the problem like worse than it is or whatever. I don't know. It's 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 certainly something I've thought about a lot um, just because of the kind of the field that I'm in and the, the amount of death that um, I see. Like you want to create like methods that will reduce the likelihood of death. You want people to live longer and happier, ideally. And how do you do that well um, is really like the holy grail of like most of what I do. Um, like if I had that answer, those answers for everybody, for everything, like, well, like I could see the future and that's not possible. Right. So like this, there will always be sort of like this blind spot that we can't see past. Um, I think uh, if you read Frank Herbert's Dune, if you're a fan of the Dune series, um, like that's what um, that book is about. Like that entire series is about like this character who can see past the dark veil of the future and see like what would be the so supposed like golden path for humanity if you could see the future. And obviously it's a fiction, 
but that's basically what that book is entirely about is what I'm talking about here. Um, which I think is why like Dune continu continues to be like one of the most uh, well-regarded sci-fi is like, I think in the history of like all sci-fi, I think it's always in the top 10, uh, because it addressed this problem and notice like, uh, the year that that book was written, like most of the technologies that we think about now, we're not even there. Right. Um, so as a, like the way Frank Herbert's mind worked as far as like understanding time and probability and the nature of it, like, uh, to some extent, um, predated a lot of the sort of like technological advances, um, and, and such. And actually, I think uh, a really, really technologically advanced piece of work also is like the Genesis uh, story, a uh, biblical Genesis story when it comes to Adam, Apple, and Eve and the, the story of uh, Eden. Uh, it's actually a very, very interesting allegory of about free will, time, and um, decisions. Um, it's less about, I think, the, the story itself and more like an allegory about how like human beings perceive time and decisions and, um, and all of that. It, yeah, a lot of, lot of interesting writings on the perception of time. And Uncle Seppi. Uncle Seppi, tell us more about that. How how is it um, an insight into our perception of time? It, you mean like uh, so? Well, the so the I think the concept of like Eden um, in the book was kind of like this idea that there was a time, or and I think it's an allegory. So I don't think there's an actual like uh, differentiation here as like a pre bite of the apple and a post bite of the apple. I think like the fact that the apple exists means that like Adam was going to take a bite out of it, no matter what. Right. That was kind of the idea Um, why they pinned this on Eve or whatever to be the one to kind of uh, like coax him into it and, and uh, like adding the snake, uh, uh, Satan into it, I think is all just allegory. But I think it's uh, the, in a way it's like this problem of um, I guess like asymmetric, you, you lack the knowledge of the future that can clarify for you whether biting the apple was a good idea or not. Um, and like, what would you have done differently had you know it was a bad idea? Literally God telling you, by the way, this is a bad idea. Don't eat it. And, but you have the will to do it. You eat it anyway. Um, like, what does it mean that like a, a, and a being that could see the future literally told you not to do it? And you're like, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. Right? Like, it's a weird, like, it's a very strange story. But like, that's the implication is that like, um, even if we had a perfect knowledge of time, the future, like all of the all of existence, um, like would we or, or could we have done it any differently? And actually, the to me, it's like the Adam Apple story does not imply that you have free will to eat the apple. Like to me, it's like the concession that the apple would have been eaten no matter what. Like it's the ultimate like like biblically, it's like the story that like the will actually isn't free. And that implies certain things about like the nature of sin and, and whatnot. Like it's not actually possible to not sin because your will is not free to prevent sin from happening in the first place or something you're like that. You're just putting a predeterministic attitude onto everything with that then that everything is set in stone and this is now um, bordering fatalism, which uh, which just goes to no, show I that this one is not guilty because this was always gonna happen <laughs> yeah i think i think well yeah those arguments will always come into play i think i i have like a simple view of the world now based on like maybe oversimplified view like based on how i think of um like the the laws of the universe as we know them so far the way i look at it is like the past is um there's deterministic elements of the past 
and there's a probabilistic future. So it's not set in stone, but at the same time, like knowing the entire history of the universe going back from today, by the way, you don't even know like where all the particles in the universe are now. What makes you think you're going to be able to analyze the past? It's a joke to think so. Like you, you don't even have the computational power to understand what's happening now. So now and the past is all just a massive blur, right? But it has deterministic features, meaning like there is a sequence of dominoes that has to fall to make today happen. So I think we can reasonably concede that. But then at the same time, like the future, that doesn't make the future any more really like knowable um, outside of like there are some parameters, there are some rails that we follow that like make it, uh, you know, in other words, like, is it probable that the Milky Way is going to blow up tomorrow? Probably not. Um, so you can make some claims about probability, but you can't necessarily, um, uh, you, you're not going to be able to like predict the future necessarily as a result of the past. So I don't think it's fatalistic in that respect. I think the, the mistake is to think that just because the past does not seem modifiable or that maybe your will was not even like obviously free at the moment you made the choices you did, it doesn't mean it gives you any ability to detect like how the future is going to work because it's almost entirely quantum until like you actually witness an event and the observer effect and like the um the like collapse of wave theory and everything makes the future sort of happen like so like we sort of cement the future into reality to some degree as an observer and that's a whole other discussion but like so no i don't think it's fatalistic and it just seems fatalistic in retrospect but prospectively it's obviously not fatalistic Right? Does that make sense, Shugs? Oh no, I completely understand what you're saying. Like, I've got a, a basic level of you know quantum physics from when I took it in college, so I, I completely see where you're coming from. And like, when you mix it in with philosophy as well, it like tends to like create a spectrum of arguments, really, doesn't it? And I think you've just you, you've got, as you said, a really simplistic way of uh, uh, justifying it, I guess, justifying your your version of causality. I, I just um, I just have no way to justify anything else. That's got, I guess the yeah, 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 yeah. right. It's like you said, unless you're omniscient or omnipotent and you know everything that's going on and you have the power to change everything, how, how are you going to ever know 100% of anything? There's just, there's, there's no, well, as far as we know, there's no physical way of getting to that point. So no one's ever going to know any, well, the future properly. I mean, obviously you can make educated guesses, can't you? Like, that, that's, that's as far but as I'm saying, You don't even know what's happening now. Like, you, you don't have a full accounting of everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nobody does. Only your, well, yeah, only in your observational window of what you can see around you at that time, and even then, you know, you don't know what's going on. Say, say you've got a TV on in the background and it's on standby, you don't know if there's a wire in there because you can't observe it that's about to spark and cause a fire. So, yeah, you don't know. Yeah, I, I guess we're just monkeys. The best way of explaining it, monkeys with some talents. Like that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. So, I uh, just want to weigh in on Sefi's, uh telling of uh of that story which i think is really good actually i mean just this concept of time is a good one right and so from the uh so like um but i just and i just want to throw a little curveball like putting some because even in the pronunciation eden that's like a english variation on the theme right nothing against the english language that we know and love eden is not what we're talking about it's actually aden okay and adam right adam uh is is the guy a eve like is the feminine right 
And so just know that you've got, you know, in the story, which is like in the rabbinic tradition, there's no fucking right answer. Okay. That's why what anybody says about Jews, like typically it is a lie because like, um, the first principle of being a Jew is, it's just a stupid fucking idea. Okay. Not a stupid, it's an idea. That's it. It's not matrilineal descent. It's not patrilineal descent. That's all made up. And so, uh, that's why anybody can be a Jew and anybody who's, who's like been around the world will know that there's freaking yizzes in China. There's yizzes in Brazil. There's, they're everywhere. Uh, and they, and we tend to hide, right? Because like there's all this projection, but if, if we follow Sefi's thing around, it's all about time. And then we go to Chug and say, what the, and so the point is, is that in, in the story of Eden, Adan, it's like, it's like it's first principles. That's all it is. And we can make it up. And so that's why the snake is so, it, it's such a killer archetype, right, Ava? Right. And so it's like the snake when she shows up and all of this like uh, idea, I mean, like we project everything onto the snake. I mean, how many people think it's, um, yeah, yeah. how many people think, for example, the snake's a guy or how many think it's, it's a chick or how many think it's gender fluid? Like, like, no, it's a fucking. um, (laughs) Simply a heuristic. Right. Like it just represents reality. It, it's just the complexity of decisions where you don't know if the outcome is going to be bad if you make that decision. Right. You follow what I'm saying? Like, and there's yeah, some totally, decisions ab- you can make. Absolutely. There absolutely. are some decisions you can make that like the outcome is going to be bad if you choose them. Like, I think where people can find that, like, maybe it, there's some objective bad outcome or something like that. Right. Exactly. But, um, but you can't be sure that like just because I have a bad outcome today that that doesn't lead to a dozen good outcomes a year from now. You see the problem of time? Yeah, exactly. And the reason why the snake is there, right, is be and and this is what the martial artists I I you know, I've heard I I hear people talking about BJJ and I love BJJ, right? As a student, I just I'm like, uh, you know, Brazilian martial arts is, is so beautiful, the culture and everything about but and like the Chinese system, right, has snakes everywhere and dragons everywhere. And what they teach you in that system is all men are afraid of snakes, right? And so uh, women weigh less so, but all men are afraid of snakes. And so the snake archetype throughout time, it, you know, triggers all the fears everywhere. And so that snake, even though it's, what did you say, a heuristic? I'm not sure what that means, but I, I suspect you're right. But they put it there in this in, in the narrative, right? By the way, written no. What by what, what I mean is, what I mean by heuristic is, human beings are made to make. Like you're you're forced to make decisions, and those decisions are based on lots of externalities, i.e., the snake, and very few of them necessarily. Like um, it's like this attribution of externalities versus what is like whether what is God or whether God is everything. Like this, there is this distinction being made there. Um, that tries to create like a the the nature of sin in this art in, in the in the story and I don't know it's uh I'm not sure I fully like I'm not some sort of theologian I'm just sort of like looking at it through the lens of like time and decisions and like thinking of it a certain way and I'm I'm not even like a big like oh I'm a 
huge like Genesis believer or something like that. I'm not, I don't, I think it's an interesting, um, I, I think it's an interesting allegory that is ingenious in its construction. I'm not trying to say like, I believe it in some sort of literal fashion or something like that. But anyway, uh, coach, I, yeah, I don't know if you can start a space, but I've got to run for work. There's like kind of an emergency happening. So <laughs> I've, been, I've got to get running. Oh. Um, when, when will you promise to be back? I don't know, maybe a few hours. <laughs> let me see what happens. Okay. Well, if you promise, then we'll let you go. I can't see the future, but I'll try. Bye, Sophie. See you later. Have fun. Don't, um, okay. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Achepe Space, The Doquan Saga. Continued. It continued. And continued. This one focused on the Fat Man Terra Laura Shin interview. And some thoughts. And probably some prayers. Recorded on Friday, October 21st, 2022. Very somber day. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Rolling down the street in my 6 I never had a 6 A kid can wish, though. I snapped a wishbone and grabbed a fistful. Chilling with the dopey, this a weed is all I wish for. I'm feeling blissful. I got a missus. My ginger always down to ride no matter what the mission. I'm singing this song. Got a couple albums out. We do all right, but it ain't really shit to write home about. Like to feed the fishbowl. Keep my stories mystical. I like my beats. Boom, bap and rap to be lyrical. I'm feeling cynical. Craving a little ritual. Save my place in line while I try to find a miracle. I keep looking and looking and looking, but never find nothing. We've been lied to, thinking this surprise under super secret lies. Motherfucker sneak inside, going dark. Now believe me when I say this shit is do or die. Going dark. Now believe me when I say this shit is do or die. Going dark. Now believe me when I say this shit is do or die. Trenches, trying to stay offensive Trespassing here like this land looks expensive Ain't no time like the present Trying to stake a claim Just make sure your claim stays away from all these other claims We're almost kind of running out of land here Living in the day of the dead and it's damn weird Same teams y'all, we just trying to get a bite to eat A little rest saved up, waiting for my time to sleep Head down, middle fingers up, yo I'm wide awake Never hesitate to stay about a hundred miles away Seven time and space while I wrecking ball the place I expect you all to play, running marathons today When the... Sick get sicker and the rich get richer It might be about time to rearrange our dinner Fix the system, the shit, it's all nixed Waking up early, gonna suck today's Going dark now, believe me when I say this shit is do or die Going dark now, believe me when I say this shit is do or die Totally gonna take care of Angela, man. He's he's great. He's a wonderful lab partner, so it's gonna be cool. We'll keep an eye on her. Why don't you go fuck yourself, you weird little prick? I'm a teacher, okay? You can't talk to me like that, guy. I'm not a student, so I can say whatever the fuck I want. Ten spaces.